The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. Well, uh, I'm still teaching the book Abundance Now by Lisa Nichols. It's a great book. I, you know, you know, this is my second week back after taking uh, about three weeks off. Uh, well, we were doing some stuff with the studio and doing some different new and fresh things. So, you know, we're ready to get back on the horse and let's get ready to rumble. We're on page 204, chapter 5, and it is titled The Fourth E, Endowment for a Better Future. Let me say again, because somebody might be listening to this show for the very first time. Sometimes I'm teaching, uh, sometimes I teach books chapter by chapter. I find books that I think uh, can help uh, my listeners can that are practical that are uh, that are you know filled with techniques and principles of success or spirituality and i believe that this book abundance now is one of those books uh by lisa nichols it's, it's you know it's packed full of principles and techniques and exercises that can help you get from where you are to where you want to be Anyway, so this chapter is really dealing with uh, the money mindset and the consciousness a person has around money. The fourth E, endowment for a beautiful future. She wrote at the beginning of the chapter, with the assignment God has placed on our life, we are also given the means and the intention to fulfill that, that assignment. The divine plan on our lives comes bundled with the resources required to deliver on it. So she's saying something similar to what Reverend Coleman used to teach us at Christ Universal Temple. She would say, all of God's ideas come fully clothed. And what that meant was, if God gives you the dream, the idea, the goal, etc., uh, within the idea is its own fulfillment. So as you start to work with the idea, as you start to work with the dream, as you start to work with the desire, it unfolds the ways and the means of producing itself or bringing itself in a manifestation. So if you have the dream, uh, if you have the vision, you should have the provision. And that means we have to learn to work with the idea. So the prosperity the healing, the breakthrough, the miracle is in working with the idea. I just want to make sure I get that across. All right. So jumping over to page uh, 206. Now, again, this 
chapter has a lot of stuff. I might teach this chapter three weeks because there's so many good points in this chapter. I'm going to at least teach it for two weeks. Uh, but on page 206, it's the statement, rich people think differently. All right. And she quotes from a book. She says, in his book, How Rich People Think, Steve Sabold, who has spent nearly three decades interviewing millionaires and reporting on what separates them from everyone else, describes a far different viewpoint from the traditional thinking. In his list of 21 ways rich people think differently, Steve illustrates that people who enjoy substantial financial wealth, material riches, time freedom, and other forms of prosperity have a far different mentality when it comes to getting rich and staying that way, a mindset that that is usually fostered during childhood. So I want to stop here for a moment because different people want different things. Somebody listening to this might say, well, I really don't care about having a lot of money and wealth, et cetera, et cetera. But what could, what impact could you make if you did have a higher degree of prosperity? What are you passionate about? What do you want to see changed? What do you want to do? Who do you want to help? It's not just about you. And if you have the resources that can put your thought into action in a more efficient way, then it's good to have. Also, she uses a term that I think is really important, time freedom. The ability to manage your time differently because you have the wealth. Many times people are burnt out. They have jobs that don't have a lot of vacation time, et cetera. When they do take vacations, they can't go anywhere. They can't go sit on the beach and relax because the money is too tight. Or when they do it, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So when they come back home, they got to deal with the bills that weren't paid because they went to Cancun. Time freedom matters. Freedom to spend with your loved ones, your spouse, your children, your parents, your grandparents, your friends, your church community, your fraternity or sorority, uh, your neighborhood. Now, or just doing what you want to do. Different people like different things. I love to read. So being able to have quiet time to just research. And read, I don't read like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Stella got a groove back type books. I'm, I read books that are primarily what the world would call self-help books and spiritual books and metaphysical books or biblical scholarship books. You know, everybody likes what they like. I'm not knocking those other type of books. It, it doesn't feed me. The point that I'm making is this. You have to know what you like. What habits do you have that you're not um you, you don't you think at least you don't have the time to spend um learning or developing you know if if you're working all day and you like to uh go line dancing you know chicago thing you know at the stepper sets uh then you won't do it you'll say hey, i'm too tired i'm working through three two three jobs i'm working all day i'm taking care of children i'm doing this 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 and that and what will end up happening is it's easy to burn out and many times that's just a money decision because sometimes the money is driving the decisions you know i'll never forget years ago um when les brown was speaking at the church when i came to cut he's 
a product of Christ Universal Temple. Uh, it was trained by Reverend Coleman and her team back then in the in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, uh, in the 90s, when he was, you know, you know, really, really over by that time, he was the motivator, the motivational speaker. He said that one of the things that he was really happy about was that his mother, when his mother became ill, he could say to the doctor, don't worry about the cost. Just take care of my mother. Don't worry about the cost. You know, medical decisions are being determined by money. People are not getting procedures because, and it's a larger issue of health care in the United States that I don't want to get into right now. I'm just talking about the freedom to make the choices that you want to make. You know, I've never forgotten that. You know, he says when he first got, you know, a certain amount of money, the first thing he did was he bought his mother a home because she never had her own house. So that's freedom. So one of the things that prosperity gives a person is freedom and the freedom to choose without the restrictions of what's owed. As scripture says, the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, moving on. She goes on to say, although I first reacted to to these survey to these survey results by saying, ouch, I'm one of those average people he's describing. I also know what. Whatever I want the result someone has achieved, I strive to adopt their mindset. Notice that if I want similar results, I strive to adopt their mindset. Even if it's painful to hear or off-putting to my current thinking. So just because something rubs you the wrong way does not mean that it might be the thing that you might need to adopt. Because... You can't outperform your consciousness. Therefore, it's important to understand that if you want to get similar results, you have to understand the mindset. Uh, Kobe Bryant was um, being interviewed. I saw it on um, Facebook yesterday where he was talking to somebody about preparation. And he was talking about how if a person gets up at 10 o'clock in the morning and then they work out from 10 to 12, uh, you know, then eat. Then, you know, allow their body to recuperate and then they, you know, go from four to seven and then they allow their, you know, you know, do whatever family stuff they're going to do, get up in the morning, do the same thing over and over again. He says, but if I get up at four in the morning and I work out from four until, you know, you know, nine, four to, excuse me, four to, what do you say, four to eight or something like that, four to four to six, four to seven. Eat breakfast, a lot of body recuperate, practice again, 10 to, 10 to 12 or whatever, then do the same thing, get back, train, 4 to 6. He said eventually that getting up at 4 in the morning is going to create distance and preparation. It's going to create distance and skill set because as the days go on, that's more reps. That's more time. That's more working on the skills. That's more development. And over the course of years, how many times, how how much better will a person be because of the practice of one extra practice every day for, say, 10 years? So he felt as though his hard work was one of the ways 
he maximized his God-given talent and gave him a leg up on his competition in the NBA. Are you preparing and going the extra mile in your preparation so you have a leg up, not on against other people. This is, you know, basketball is a competitive sport. But just making sure that when you show up that you own it by right of consciousness and anybody else who does not have it by right of consciousness, preparation, skill, experience, etc., can have that which you put your mindset on. It's not a competition thing. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. It's a being ready thing. You know, what separates the champions from uh, the average player? Many times it's preparation. It's preparation. What are you willing to do to be ready for what, it is, for what you say you want? Anyway, back to the book. So she, she wrote, here are just five ways Steve says rich people think differently. This isn't all 21. This is just five. And I'm not saying that this relates to you. I'm teaching it as a general overview. Number one, average people have been brainwashed into thinking that money is the root of all evil, while rich people believe poverty is the root of all evil. Well, there's a certain amount of discredit in lower income communities about getting rich, he says. Wealthy people know that money makes life easier and more enjoyable and that there's no virtue in doing without. So when what, this is one of the things that's been passed on, I believe, through not just uh, through cultural and religious conditioning. If you teach people not to gain wealth through religion, then they won't pursue it themselves. And then you'll train your children, and then you'll train, they'll train their children, and then they'll train their children. So when people start talking about money in certain situations and experiences they won't even try i know that this is something that has happened to people of african descent in the united states of america the caribbean etc and a lot of it was passed down through religion you know money is the root of all evil why are you trying to get rich wealthy people are evil and, you know and you know they don't believe in god and it's egotistical and etc cetera, etc cetera. without understanding first of all that scripture the love of money is the root of all evil is a scripture about about greed, allowing money to run you and and having the lack of ethics and integrity around getting it. But they pull the scripture out of context and use it to uh, get people not to pursue wealth. You know, it's, it's just kind of funny how um, anytime you see somebody teaching people to achieve wealth, they get criticized. You know, I can remember. Watching uh, Reverend Ike uh, clips on YouTube and how he would go on Donahue and some of these other TV stations. And they were like, but you're a preacher and you're teaching people about money. Is God your money? He's like, no, that's ridiculous. But he was teaching people that there's a certain amount of freedom in having prosperity. And as a child of God, then it's your right to have what you're supposed to have to live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. Reverend Coleman at Christ Universal Temple took countless arrows about teaching prosperity to African-Americans on the South Side, uh, news stations like CBS and newspapers like the Chicago Tribune, wrote, uh, portrayed her negatively. 
be, at times because she was teaching people to have uh, a positive self-image and to pursue success and prosperity. And she was unapologetic about it. So she took the arrows. So it's easier to lie about a person than it is to see, okay, what is the core of what they're doing? She spoke to the needs of her community. She's an African-American woman on the south side of Chicago in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, etc., teaching people that you don't have to wait to leave here, go, go to heaven to get your good. Your heaven can be now. Heaven is a state of mind. and You can have your prosperity, your health, your well-being, and your success right now. And if you don't have it, you're in hell. That's what she was telling people. And she got arrows for it. A lot of them. A lot of them. I remember on uh, about 10 years ago or so, uh, it was, I think it was 60 minutes, uh, was uh, 60 minutes or Nightline, one of those TV stations that do news reporting. Uh, they were interviewing Dave Ramsey. Now, Dave Ramsey is real simple teaching people how to get out of debt, process for that, process for creating emergency funds, process for teaching people how to budget. And then teaching them how to maximize their money. Whatever income level you're at, you can create wealth for yourself, for retirement, to do the things you want to do, and create healthy money habits. And they were like, but you're teaching people, you know, to get rich. And you use, you know, religion sometimes to help that process. And I almost wanted to jump through the TV and answer the questions for him. He handled his business. But it was just the point. That this news reporter, who I'm sure was handsomely paid, because if you have a prime time news show, you're getting paid. Talking to a man is trying to help people get out of debt and build wealth. And then change how families work and think when it comes around money. But when you've been conditioned to believe that it's the root of all evil, then you won't. How do I want to say this? You won't pursue it because you think something is wrong. If you think you're a right, if you, if you think you're a righteous person, that you love God and humanity and love, you know, Jesus or whatever your religious religion is. And then somebody tells you that wealth, wealthy people are evil or having wealth is wrong, et cetera subconsciously you will want money to take care of your needs, but your deep seated beliefs will counteract that belief. And if the belief that money is the root of all evil or whatever, or rich people are all this, that, and the other, what that'll end up doing is it will interfere with your ability to pursue and gain wealth. So you'll find yourself making stupid emotional decisions around money. Uh, that end up interfering with your ability to do what you want to do. Subconsciously, you will set your own self back. Subconsciously, you will self-sabotage because of your belief systems. So we have to shift it to poverty is the root of all evil. Reverend Ike used to say, the love of money isn't the root of all evil. The lack of money is the root of all evils. Charles Fillmore wrote in Prosperity in 1936, it's a sin to be poor. His mindset was, Poverty is is something that is not a natural expression of God. Therefore, 
is missing the mark. It's looking at it differently. That the things that when we see impoverished neighborhoods in the inner cities of Chicago or, or other co- countries, states and countries, most of the time when you see uh, poor neighborhoods, you see the things that go along with poverty, crime, gangs, drugs, uh, and, and a multitude of other things. Because when people are desperate, they'll almost do anything and can be manipulated to do anything. Number two, middle class people believe that you have to do something to get rich, while wealthy people believe you have to be something to get rich. Millionaires know their true goal is to become human success machines that can produce outstanding results and substantial wealth whenever required. So, this is key. Doing versus being. This is one of the things that um, I work on myself, and that's um, time isn't money. Results are money. You know, when when you're raised in a job culture, you trade time and skill for the dollar. When you work on the other side of the fence of money, you look at results. Who are you and what results can you produce? And that shows up as money. So instead of thinking about I'm worth this per hour, You look at it as what can I produce when it comes to success and wealth. So when I show up, this is what is demanded. Um, you know, the uh, Bahamian minister, Miles Monroe, um, who's deceased, he had mentioned that he, on one of his sermons that he was a friend of Les Brown's. And they used to speak at some circus together for Fortune 500 companies, etc. And he asked Les, how much should I charge these people? to do this um, program that they want me to do. And and he asked Les, well, what are you charging the people? And Les said, uh, $25,000 starting point. And, and he said to the guy, you know, basically, you know, you, you know, you, according to Miles Monroe, at least, you're better than me. If those people want you, you ask for what you deserve. He says, if not, I'm, I'll be ashamed of you. So he sent the invoice of what he wanted, 25 grand, and got it. Because those people believed that he was worth, now here's the difference, that he being was worth that amount of money. Not based upon time, like, okay, we pay him $25,000, how many hours is he working? And we'll divide that up and say, oh, okay, well, based upon this hourly rate, it's worth it. No, excuse me, he was worth the 25000 starting versus the belief that it's the skill and time that you're trading 
So the issue is how you, Reverend Coleman would say it this way. How are you working with God's ideas? Ideas. Again, all of God's ideas come fully clothed. So when she was working with a concept, she wanted to get to the idea behind it. What's the spiritual principle that supports what I desire? So, you know, she would say uh, uh, the substance of God is like a great piece of dough, cookie dough or dough. And your mind is like a cookie cutter. So out of this formless, shapeless abundance or infinite potential or unlimited possibility, your mind, like a cookie cutter, is forming and shaping out of the formless that which you desire. So seeing the wealth, seeing the house, seeing the car, seeing the business, seeing the whatever, you're forming and shaping that literally out of the substance of God, the unlimited potential, the unlimited infinite possibilities, the mind essence, the, 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 I'm, I'm trying to use non metaphysical terms because I, my brain automatically goes to certain things when I start talking about substance. I'm not trying to use those terms right now, but you get my point. The, the invisible supply of God, you're short, you're forming and shaping that with your mind by who you are. Not necessarily by what you do. Now, what you do matters. I'm not saying what you do doesn't matter. But your doing should be a reflection of your being. I just want to make sure that's clear. You have to be something to get rich. Who are you seeking to be? Who are you to Say, I am worth this, this, and this. If you want to bring me, if you want my skill set, if you want me to speak, if you want me to come fix your computer, if you want me to whatever, it's not about doing, it's being. Because then you'll look at it differently. Like I told a teenager one time, if you want to, you know, be a hairdresser, then think about owning the, the the beauty shop. Yes, you can do hair when you want to, but guess what? If you really want to be wealthy and do it, then think about having people who are doing hair at your shop while you're doing hair, and they're doing hair at your shop when you're not doing hair. Because then you get the money no matter what. Because you're being a beauty shop owner. Who understands the business of it, not only a worker doing the job. It's just being clear. It's just being clear. So, uh, I do want to cover a few things before I go to the the last three points that I want to cover um, on this subject today because there's so much in this chapter that you know I want to make sure that we cover it all properly so let me remind you before we take this break that uh, this show along with all the other shows on unity online radio are supported by your donations so as you freely receive freely give uh, please go to the website unity.fm click on the donation button 
I believe it's at the top of the web website and help support this online ministry. This, this, um, online ministry goes all around the world. People contact us from every continent. People are listening. People are getting this message. Many times they don't have the benefit of a new thought church or center in their area. And literally unity online radio is a lifeline. Give yourself the opportunity to be a part of the transformation of human consciousness. Also, uh, I, this show has a Facebook page, uh, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So if you look that up, my, my request is that you like the page, that you give it a five star, uh, rating and you write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. And I don't I think I hear music behind me, but I think I have a f- few more seconds to go. Also, want to be mindful that we also have a um, also the shows on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher, give it a five star review and write a positive rating. It's really important that the algorithms send people to the show. We want to make sure that we spread this message as much as we possibly can. So we're going to take our first break and I'll be right back with True Transforms. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right, your favorite Unity Online Radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zender every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real.
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Okay, I am back. So, if you want to call in, by the way, you can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. So, we're on number three now, Rich People Think Differently, uh, based upon Steve Seibel's research. In Lisa Nichols' book, Abundance Now. Number three, average people live beyond their means while rich people live below theirs. It's a secret the wealthy have used for centuries, Steve says. They live below their means not because they're smarter than the rest of us, but because they have amassed enough wealth to live like royalty and still have money socked away for the future. And a lot of this is planning. And and obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into wealth, etc. And, you know, I can hear the arguments of many things that are factually true colonialism and and you know you know uh racism and you know misogynistic policy sexism etc and i'm not denying any of that what i am saying is choosing to take control of your financial life starts with the understanding that you can't spend more then you earn living a life on credit on uh, credit cards and debt and robbing Peter to pay Paul, etc. Uh, many times uh, people have uh, champagne taste and beer money. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't want the best for you, but wisdom is the principal thing and all that getting get understanding. If you're making money decisions that harm you or harm your financial future, then my request is that you reevaluate what you're doing with your money. Emmett Fox once wrote, and this is a paraphrase, that there are people who believe that they're so spiritual or whatever that they um, don't have to work or whatever for money. He said, that's great if that's your consciousness. But if you are a burden on somebody else's dollar, on somebody else's resources, then that's not consciousness per se. That's you this is my words, not his, um, being a dependent, leeching off of somebody else's demonstration and consciousness. And let me just put this out here, and this is not Lisa Nichols, so let me just say this right off the bat. Um, there are times when we make things so easy for people to not develop and grow up when it comes to their money consciousness. Um 
when, you know, I, I can still remember, I, you know, my parents divorced when I was very young. And eventually we, my mother, sister and I, we moved back with my grandparents. And uh, my mom stayed there because it was a nice neighborhood and and um, the schools were good and it was safe and et cetera, et cetera. Love the neighborhood I grew up in. And one of the things that uh, was interesting to me was when I turned 18, my grandmother said, you know, I mean, this is like literally graduating high school. She didn't care about she, she was like basically said, I don't, whatever you do now is your choice. You got to do but you got to do two things. One, I had to register to vote. Because my grandmother was like, we, you know, we took too much heat for black people to, to get that vote. You're not going to misuse it. So that's ingrained in my brain. Never miss an election. Always know what you're voting for and why. Two, second thing was, oh, you have to start paying rent now. I was 18, like literally two weeks out of high school because my birthday's in June. And I look back at that time now and I laugh because with my four dollar and 20 cent an hour job that i had i was paying rent and um it was interesting you know i couldn't borrow granddaddy's car that was granddad's car my mom's car that was mom's car i took the bus took the bike took the whatever i never asked for it um when i got a certain age you know granddad kind of put the foot down i was 21 you know, you know, hey, you know, it was it was time, you know, and got my own spot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I have this mentality of, you know, this is me and this is not a judgment on anybody else. So I want people listening to this not to think that I'm judging people, but this is part of understanding what we do at times. Um, sometimes as parents, we're training our people not to be our children not to be go-getters because we're not putting in front of them the opportunity to grow and develop those skills. You know, I'll tell a, I'll tell a young man in a heartbeat, if you, if, if you're not paying for that, the bed you're sleeping on and the roof that you're sleeping under, get it together. You know, you know, stop living, living on mama or daddy or grandmama's dime. Don't live off of your girlfriend's dime. Because what if she decides to do something else and then you're out of, out of, out of pocket? If you, if, if you got enough money to go buy the clothes you want and do the things you want to do and make the decision you want to make while somebody else is taking care of you so you can make those decisions, then I tell them man up. I, I, I have like no tolerance for that when it comes to men. I have a daughter, but it's the same thing. When it comes down to it, like, look, these are money decisions that you have to make and you have to understand that, you know, you got to have skin in the game when it comes to your own development. Because if we if we don't teach them properly, what ends up happening is those bad money habits get passed down. And 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 a sense of entitlement that is not entitlement of I'm supposed to be wealthy. It's the entitlement that. I can do what I want to do and be irresponsible with my money or not seek or pursue the level of wealth or responsibility I need. I'm supposed to have because I'm on somebody else's dime. For me, that lacks integrity. You know, um, one, you know, my mother's deceased, but one of the things my mother said to me literally weeks, a couple of weeks before she passed away and I was taking care of her in my home. She said to me, 
I never worry about you. I know you will always land on your feet. And for me, uh, especially now that she's not here, um, it means so much to me that I never worry about you. She knew that what the, the, the son she raised could always handle what was in front of him. And part of that, and why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because um, when you put yourself in positions where you don't understand responsibility and things of that nature, you will live beyond your means. And and we don't put ourselves in positions to win, you know, or, you know, or with the, you know, I just got my tax check and I'm about to go blow this check on whatever instead of. Let me invest. Do I have savings? Do I have an emergency fund? Do I have um, any retirement, et cetera? Do I have money set aside for things that I, I do want to do? I have a budget. Do I even know how to spell the word budget? Because um, uh, if 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 I if I, I would tell one person that's 21 years old now something it would be to make sure that is uh, that you invest as much money as you can now early develop the habit to you know th- three hab you know th- you know live off the 70% and tithe the 10 and the tithe is to keep your f- spiritual game flow going Prime in the pump, but legally tithe is also in the United States at least tax deductible. So instead of you them taking the money to do what they want, you send the money to where you want it to go. So tithing is spiritual and it's practical. Uh, second of all, you can uh, invest the ten, and you can save the ten at least to the place to where you get a serious emergency fund so when the brakes go when the when the somebody has a fire when the the engine falls out of the van you're not looking like oh my god how am i gonna deal with this you know there are people who believe it or not who just write checks for homes and they're not people with super high paying jobs that people with 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 high levels of ability of managing what they have so because they they plan early later in life they can make money decisions that allow them to be free they walk on the on the de- go to the car dealership they see the car they want they write a check for it instead of trying to figure out i hope that if that my credit score will allow me to get a loan because i already owe you know all these people and all these student loans and all this what you know credit card debt and and Sears and Macy's and whatever other thing it is. Just be mindful. Don't spend more than you earn. It's really kind of simple. So let's go on to the next point. Average people think. They have to choose between raising a great family and being rich. Rich people know you can have it all. 
The masses have been conditioned to believe that it's an either or equation, he writes, and that with riches comes a rejection of family. The rich know you can create anything you want with a mindset that's rooted in love and abundance. Now, one of the things that I do want to get across is that we don't get into this rich people worship because sometimes pe- people will make a, a people who have more material wealth almost godlike. So, so these aren't absolutes. It's written like this to make you think. You have to be creative in how you do it. Okay, this this is all about time management and budgeting. Again, if you know if you're budgeting your money, if you have time management, if you're clear about what your goals are, then you'll figure out how to make it work. As a guy said to me at a seminar I took last year, he had seven companies. He owned seven companies, and he was getting up every day at four getting to work at 5.30. He would work until about 11 at night, then start over. That was Monday through Friday. And and then he learned about, as he said, managing promises, not people. And he, he, and he figured out how to allow his vice presidents to run the main aspects of the of the companies, seven companies, by first of all, them knowing what they need to know, being very clear on what his expectations were and the promises, in other words, the results that they were going to produce. And he was going to own them, make sure they owned the results. And then he said, I'm getting off at work now every day. I think he said by, I think he said 12.01. And he, and he did that every day. You get to work at nine, leave at one. He said he was spending the time with his wife, his son, and his family and doing other stuff. And I think he said his businesses were more successful than ever. He figured it out. You got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. All right, number five. Average people teach their children to how to survive. Rich people teach their kids how to get rich. Children of the wealthy learn early in life to see the world objectively. They understand that some people will live an abundant life while others simply won't. And if they can understand early what those differences in lifestyle mean, their parents believe they'll be more likely to strive for financial wealth as adults. So part of it is just understanding the difference in mentality around wealth. Now, this what I'm saying it will be somewhat paradoxical, paradoxical now. So even though, as I was talking about earlier, when people had an entitlement to somebody else's resources, the entitlement mentality is your expectation of how you live. When you have an expectation of prosperity, when you have an expectation of of first class experiences, then it shows up that way. And you have to hold the line. It's like a person told me years ago, I won't say his name, said that um, Reverend Coleman, you know, was taking a group of people to St. Louis and they didn't want to drive the five hours from Chicago to uh, St. Louis. So they got plane tickets and Reverend Coleman always flew first class. She got her ticket. She said, hey, what's up with these tickets? They're not first class. And the person said, uh, 
well, you know, it's just a quick flight. We'll just go, we'll be on the plane for 45 minutes. And she said, person's name is not where you sit. It's where you think. And that impacted me. It's not where you sit. It's where you think. Light at the land. Just the genius of that statement alone. It's not where you sit. It's where you think. To her, it wasn't the it wasn't the issue of the first class seat. It was the issue of her thinking could not accept less than because she was conditioning her mind for first class to show up. Divine law to experience itself as first class as Johnny Coleman. Now, she developed that consciousness to the point that she would tell people, hey, uh, if you can't, you know, if you send for me, you got to send first class. And I wasn't just a ticket. That was the, the, the lodging, everything. Now, you can say, well, what about the people who needed to be helped? And what about this? And what about that? I get all that. But she was developing her consciousness and using herself as a model to show us what did that look like? How do you shift your consciousness to start producing the results you desire? So she had an image in her mind of, for lack of terms, how Johnny Coleman experiences life. And it showed up, part of that experience was first class, prosperous experiences. So, as Tom Johnson says, when you're always your own experience, that the mind, a law of mind, he means by that, goes out before you to prepare the experience of yourself. So, when it says they teach their children how to get rich, when you have a prosperity consciousness, the consciousness can produce the wealth, whether you lose it and you have to gain it back, etc. There's been many people who've lost substantial wealth and they've got it back because uh, they might have slipped. But their mindset really was, I'm supposed to be prosperous. I'm supposed to be wealthy. I'm supposed to be rich. And it drives their ideas. It drives their decision making. It drives their actions. It drives their time management. It drives how they budget their money. It drives who they spend their time with on a day to day basis. What matters to you? If you're teaching your children to survive, well, just forget their dreams, forget their ambitions. Just tell them, just, you know, find a field that you can get a good job in. That's what, you know, people used to say when I was growing up a lot, not what's what's your passion, but what is it that can keep you employed? That's a survival mechanism versus what can you create? What can you produce, even if it's with a job to produce wealth, because being a doctor in a hospital is a job. But if a person, if that's their strong desire to, to use their intelligence and skill set to save lives and they're handsomely paid for that, that's a great thing. So we have to get out of the mindset of teaching our children how to survive because we've been in survival mode for so long. So if we've been in survival mode, our children will by default 
be in survival mode unless they have enough ambition to push through their conditioning. We used to have a saying in Chicago. I don't know if they say it in other places. We used to say, you can take him out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of him. And what that was saying was, if a person has a ghetto mentality, when you take them out of the ghetto, they'll make whatever, wherever you place them, a ghetto or attempt to do so. Because the ghetto behavior, the ghetto mindset, the ghetto consciousness is still a part of their being. Like Chicago, they they destroyed miles of projects where people were living in impoverished situations without ever dealing with the mindset that was created by living in those type of conditions. One of the reasons why the violence in Chicago ended up spiking You can take him out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of him. A person got to want to take the ghetto out of themselves. And cultural c- cultural conditioning, conditioning is much stronger than people realize. So we have to be mindful not to put our kids in survival mode, but success mode. I really want that to land. Now. We're going to stop there. Next week, we're going to pick up from here because we're going to be talking about a lot of good stuff about your money blueprint and how cultural conditioning and other things affect how you think about money. And then we're going to drill down on it. But I, but those five points I really wanted to get across to how rich people think differently. Uh, we didn't cover a lot of pages today, but I think we covered a lot of material. So get the book, Abundance Now by Lisa Nichols. And let's make sure that we're studying it together. Um, There's no way, this is a way, but I'm not going to do it, to cover page by page. It would just take too long. Uh, And I want to do some other things this year with the show. But I want to make sure that I I, I teach this book in a way that allows you to get the best out of it. I really like the material in this book. Again, um, you know, we're going to be rocking and rolling with you know, getting this information out to people. So again, as I requested earlier, support it. Uh, I appreciate your support. We su- appreciate your support. We know that we can be the change agents in this world. So God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, 
How can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Life is a balancing act with hectic schedules and ceaseless demands on our time and attention. We've learned to prioritize. So often, though, I neglect to make time for what is most important. In our drive to get things done, there is an underlying desire, a need we all share, the need for peace. It is a gift that waits within me, ready to be enjoyed if I will simply allow myself the opportunity to connect. Inner peace lessens the everyday stresses of life and reminds me that how I am, the mental and spiritual point from which I view myself, is as important as what I do. I can make peace a priority. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg. And I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 